Welcome back, Steve Williams. It's been too long since we've had a chance to do this. Last time we talked to a legendary banker. Good to see you. How about a toast of our plugged-in glasses? Why not? So I'm Al Dominic. This is Steve Williams. We're coming to you from Cornerstone Advisors Global Headquarters in Scottsdale, Arizona, for this very special episode of Plugged In. Yeah, and uh, we start uh, 2023, a lot of people thinking about tech transformation, and Al, we got a legend here. We do have a legend. Talk to you. So a little bit of, let me introduce our guest. Started his banking career with a, a large, uh, growing, well-respected organization out of Lakewood, Denver area, Colorado, First Bank in 1987, uh, and did about everything in this bank, whether it was overseeing IT, online banking, contact center, treasury. So it's great to have Jim Reuter here, a CEO of First Bank. Jim, welcome. Thank you and welcome. And I don't I don't like the term legendary. Let's just say... Uh, Hardworking. How's that sound? I like that better. <laughs> How about notorious? Notorious. And notorious. Now, there we go. But uh, I think a lot of a lot of great background, and very frankly, if you read the press, Jim, a lot of credit to your leadership style for how you've been able to attract talent and grow the bank and get, get uh, such a stellar reputation. So I'm going to let my uh, partner Al here kick off with some some questions about what's going on at the bank and how you see the industry right now. Well, we're going to frame this up like we do every episode of Plugged In. We have five rock songs that we're using as inspiration for our conversation today. And I started to think, how could we bring something clever and creative to this uh, episode of Plugged In? I noticed, Jim, that you got a start in your career in Palm Desert, California. I did. And I got to tell you, I've been going out to the Coachella Valley for 30 plus years. My parents have had a house right off of El Paseo. So I've walked the mean streets of Palm Desert. And I just love the fact that you and I share that little California connection. And I don't know if you realize this, but in the world of classic rock, Queen of the, the Stone Age were from Palm Desert, California. So we're going to use that uh, that famous <laughs> band to kick things off. They have a few different songs. If you go into Spotify, they're going to be talking about you know things that basically no one knows because that's their main hit song, No One Knows. But the one we really wanted to use was Let's Go With The Flow to get yeah. this going because we were noticing some headwinds that banks of all sizes are having to address and acknowledge right now. And from a CEO standpoint, you got to be feeling pretty proud about last year's earnings. I think it was the second best in the 60-year history of the institution. By my count, roughly $287.5 million of earnings. Yeah. So that's a really cool way to start this year. But of course, you got to address the risks in today's environment and really you know, what's going to get you to a higher absolute earnings in the future. So we thought we might start with those headwinds that you're facing at the moment. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, we're not that different than other banks. We may be leaning into technology at different times and doing some things a little bit differently, but we still make our money by taking in deposits and making loans or investing it. So challenges, headwinds, net interest margin. Uh, every one of us as banks have lagged our Deposit beta is a little bit on the front end of this increasing rate cycle. We also have assets that are, you know, mm -hmm. yielding uh, lower returns than you'd like when uh, a T bill's out there for north of five percent. So that'll be one of the challenges. But you know, that comes mm -hmm. down to discipline, discipline on how you manage your expenses, uh, but also discipline in your credit quality, which is something that our bank has stood the test of a uh, test of time on numerous times, including the financial crisis and. I'm a big believer in numbers and uh, the yield curve inverted as long as it has been. And now to the degree of the inversion, I have to believe there's something coming on the other side of this that'll uh, make credit quality a bigger issue. So we're stress testing. 
Uh, we're looking at our portfolio, making sure things are well positioned. While the conversation today is about net interest margin and liquidity and mark to market, I think the next conversation is credit quality. And so I think as bankers, yeah, the challenge we always have is not focus on the immediate, but focus on what's next. And that's the next thing. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting, Jim. It's been nine months now since Jamie Dimon's famous hurricane is coming. And we're kind of still sitting on the beach looking at any clouds in the sky. But and, and a lot of the credit risk has been kind of identified outside of traditional banking in leverage lending or the subprime consumer market uh, or some of the big commercial REITs that might be in Manhattan real estate. But so far, to your point, it just hasn't uh, hasn't bubbled up yet. But I do see chief credit officers, you know, looking a lot closer at where what what could emerge there. Yeah, I mean, I think a good example is we, we do a fair bit of construction lending, as do a lot of other banks. And I look at the lack of demand for new construction loans. And, uh, you know, that eventually ripples through with fewer jobs for the folks working on the construction site, fewer jobs for the people that make the things that go in the building once it's built. And there's just a long tail when things start to slow down. And I think we're going to start to see that here in the next quarter. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of eyes will be on that. Well, I, I like the word discipline that you used. And as you're talking about this focus on certain segments that you're banking, it, it reminds me of a conversation I had with Richard Davis when he was still the CEO of U.S. Bank. And he was reminding uh, folks that I was with that banks are kind of like the canary in the coal mine. They have a, a real early view as to what might be happening happening in economic terms. So they can see downturns far faster than most could. So the fact that we'd be sitting on a beach nine months after Jamie Dimon I think it says something. It doesn't mean that we're burying your head in the sand, but I think there's you know folks like Jim who are saying, hey, look, there's stuff that's out there. We just don't know when it's going to drop, but we have a sneaking suspicion that it's going to happen. Yeah. You know, as, as we're talking during this, this podcast, we want to talk a little bit about controlling your destiny and how you take ownership of the risk that you're facing. So, you know, I started with a classic Palm Desert band. If you live in Palm Desert, at some point you get bored and either you drive up to Los Angeles or you drive down to San Diego. I figured... You know, we won't pass the windmills that take the wind and turn it into energy like you'd go, be going up the 10 to L.A. Instead, we'll go down towards San Diego for our next uh, band. Next this band. is this is Blink-182. Okay. They got their start and did some cool things. They sang some songs. But if we're talking discipline, it's really all about those small things mm -hmm. that made Blink-182 famous. And also, I think, lines up very nicely with First Bank and how you been able to control your tech destiny. Yeah. And, and Jim, I'm looking from an article of a few weeks, a uh, few years back, actually, how a small bank in Colorado became a fintech force by investing in employees and community. Um, as you've scaled the organization, now knocking on $30 billion, you've always had a lot of in-house technology yeah. uh, and you haven't relied necessarily on all the outsourcers. There's probably a philosophy and a management style that goes with that. So uh, as one of the organizations that for the longest time has taken control of its tech destiny, why is that part of First Bank and, we're, and you know what, what's made it successful? Well, we do really uh, believe if we can control our destiny, that's the best option always. And so we, as you said, we have about 400 people in IT. So for a bank that has 2,800 employees and of our size, that's a pretty healthy number of folks. Our core is in-house developed. And we'll talk later I know one of the things we want to talk about is Fins Act and some things we're doing there. But um, what we really like is um, we can choose to go where we want to go as a bank. And I'll give you a good example. We were the fourth bank to be part of Clear Exchange, which is now Zelle. And the reason we did that is we owned our own data. We could see how many of our customers were using Venmo 
and square cash and different things. We looked at that and said, people are speaking with their feet on how they're using these apps and what they're doing. And so I had a conversation with the CEO of Clear Exchange at that time. And I said, look, it's the three banks that are starting that and you put us in that and uh, you have over 60% of the deposits in the Colorado market. That was as close as you were going to get to ubiquity at that time for a P2P solution. And last year we did 9 million Zelle transactions. The reason that control of our destiny matters is those deposits sit in our bank versus a PayPal wallet or Venmo wallet. Last time I looked, I think the average PayPal wallet has $500 in it. That earns 0% interest. And at the end of the day as a bank, it's about net interest margin and uh, income. So it's not just controlling our IT to make decisions because we like to control things. It's good for the bottom line to be able to pick and choose where you want to invest and differentiate. Yeah. yeah, Jim, a lot of the bigger banks are dealing with technical debt now, meaning they've they've been on big iron for a long time or they've had a, quote, legacy tech environment. And they on an in-house basis, there's always the question, how do you stay current? So how do, how do you and your 400 IT folks not become insular maybe and and move too slowly? How, how have you built an IT team to move more quickly in, in today's world? Yeah, so it's it's a mix of keeping people on the team that that know our history, where we've been. It is bringing in new people that knew, knew, don't know new languages, know how to code in the new world. But it's also staying connected to the outside world. I mean, we're very plugged into Canopy, uh, the FinTech Fund. Uh, we attend a lot of conferences. We study what happens outside of banking. Uh, if you just look at what customers are doing with digital apps and things in other parts of their lives, it's usually a pretty good predictor of what they're going to do with their banking. Tends to move slower because it's their money, uh, but but eventually it comes over. I mean, we saw lots of people that hadn't used technology get to it during the pandemic to make life easier. They're now using mobile deposit capture uh, features within the bank, and and they weren't doing that before the pandemic. So. Um, getting outside, seeing what's going on in the rest of the world matters. Yeah, uh, which kind of leads to our next question. A big headline recently, and it, 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 I think we're going to start this question with another San Diego reference, aren't we, Al? Another- well, we can because there's some really cool folks that have called San Diego home. Yeah, one of them. Sometimes it's hard to say understand what he's saying, but boy, he's a great singer, right, Eddie Vedder? Of Pearl Jam? Of Pearl Jam, right? Yeah. So uh, a surfer from San Diego. And uh, what do we want to quote out of Pearl Jam to get started? Is it even flow? Is it, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you know, Jim's already, uh, you know, kind of given us the the quick look that we want to talk Finzax kind of core as a service. And I'd probably go for I'm Alive. Uh, and that's a big announcement of you partnering with Fiserv and Finzax. Um, and these, you know, when, when we hear a new core strategy, it's often what does that mean? So what's the partnership with Finzax going to look like for for a group like you that have built your own technology for decades? So one of the things we went to at probably 15 years ago, certainly 10 years ago, is even with our own core system, we took all the apps we built, mobile banking, treasury management, we plugged them into that core using APIs as though we had purchased that core. And we didn't realize the wisdom of that decision until today. Interesting. Um, because now we can look at Finzac, which is really a headless core. Its main role is to crunch the numbers and do the basic accounting, but the idea is you can plug other things into it easily. It's in the cloud. Um, and so we're, as a result, able to look at taking out our, our core, because it's old. We've had it for a long time, even though we built it ourselves, and plug in this headless core. When we started that, they hadn't been uh, acquired yet. Uh, but we've had conversations and are assured that they'll remain independent. 
I think you guys can appreciate that's always everybody's concern when a partner gets acquired by someone else, do things change? And so far, they've left it alone. And we're going to stand up a savings account initially. This is not a big bang core conversion. We don't need to do that. That's the nice thing about our API plug and play approach. Uh, we'll plug in things, we'll have savings, and then we'll move on to transaction accounts. will be largely consumer focused. So this is a multi-year effort to stand it up. Uh, but we like the real-time nature. Uh, we like the language it's using. We like that it's in the cloud. And we love that it's headless. So we can go out and plug in best of breed, whether we've built that or we decide to go buy some of that at some point in time. Jim, have you set a target? You know, there's some peers of yours who've had these core migrations that have gone on for some time. Have you, in your mind, as the leader set a target? It's going to take many years, but I want it done within a certain time frame. Yeah, we would like it done within two to three years. You get much longer than that and there'll be new technology. Wow. So at some point in time, you have to <laughs> right. move aggressively to that. So things like how we calculate fees, mm -hmm. we've already built a new version that'll plug into FinZac. Uh, same thing with our mobile app. So we've, we've readied a lot of the peripherals. So once we get comfortable with the accounting, how it works and, and the UI and different things that we'll put in front of it, we'll be able to move pretty aggressively from that point forward. Sounds great. See, what I think is cool, I remember back when Chip Mahan was excited to be bringing Frank Sanchez onto Architect mm -hmm. Finzac and right. to see the investment and the approach and the discipline that that company took to get to where they are now and to look at an organization like yours that has also taken that same type of entrepreneurial stance where you right. want to control outcomes and you've got ideas to be tenacious yeah. and not just be waiting for something to hit. I think that's a really cool thing that lines up you know, with what a modern commercial bank needs to think about, mm -hmm. yeah. right? So you know, Steve and I don't spend nearly enough time listening to music together uh, <laughs> because as we were putting together this kind of set list, we realized in the state of California, there are just like, so many incredible bands that we could cherry pick from. Mm -hmm. What comes to mind as we're kind of working our way through this podcast? Yeah, there's there's Molly Crew, there's Van Halen, who else? The Eagles, but Green Day, CCR. Yeah. We'll go to San Francisco, though, a little north of where Jim was first starting banking with Journey. Yeah. And the very famous Don't Stop Believing. And tie it in now to a commercial bank. Is one of the great things about First Bank is a leading commercial bank and not uh, Jim a pure CRE bank. It does, you do construction, you do commercial real estate, but you've got a lot of great CNI small business. And we, Al and I kind of have a bias. This is one of the areas of banking that maybe has been least disrupted from a technology usage of data, uh, digital experience. So our question to you is, what do you think uh, at First Bank, you'd like your modern commercial bank, your CNI lenders, your treasury management, what would you like it to look three to five years out? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And I look at some of the approaches other banks are taking. They're going to target a vertical. They're going to go, let's let's bank all medical nationwide or let's go bank this vertical. We've really started to explore the idea of being an open bank uh, on the business side. So our tre treasury management product would plug nicely into lots of software. People could go buy on their own, to be quite honest. Um, we know a lot of, of companies that they find an accounting software, they find something very specific to their industry. What they'd love to do is be able to use that and have it plug into the bank seamlessly. So our goal, both on the consumer and the business side, is to be the Intel chip, if you will, inside all of our customers' relationship. That may mean at times our, our brand might be disintermediated. But at the end of the day, our goal is to acquire deposits and uh, turn around and, and make investments, make loans, 
And so anything we can do to better position ourselves to be the, the landing point for all their deposits, even if it means partnering with some other fintechs by being a great open bank, we think that's the right strategy. Yeah, I think that's right. If, if these ERP systems are going to create great new business functionality or there's going to be treasury portals that allow them to do things, uh, to be the depository in the background is important because someone will be. If, if not us, someone will get that shelf space. Well, we're just not going to out-innovate uh, across all those verticals, uh, tech-targeted solutions. I mean, you know, there's a group of people starting up a new tech company right now, very much focused on property management. And if, you know, historically banks would provide all these solutions to their customers, I think that's an impossible outcome in, in the new world. So best to figure out how to plug and play and be really good at that. Yeah, plug and play. It's kind of like the banking as a service uh, analog where- plug and play, not just deposits, but all those payment services that we can provide securely, the, the know your customer and everything else that comes with that. Well, see, I want to push back a little bit because when you say you might not be able to out-innovate, innovate is not just on the technical side, it's also on the people front. And so what you're talking about is setting a leadership stance that others can emulate within your organization that will also attract businesses that want your help and support or the services that you provide. So I, I think innovation sometimes gets too narrowly defined in terms of technical terms because banks aren't, they're not going to have a, a DevOps shop that, you know, competes with like a Johnny Ive from Apple anytime soon. Right? No, but yeah. you can have leaders that empower their teams to do something that really puts the customer success at the forefront of the businesses. And I think that's a, another reason you've had continued recurring success is you've been able to get your team to understand taking risks is a positive experience, yeah. not a negative. Yeah. When we see people talk about you, Jim, in, in industry circles, your leadership style comes up, uh, you know, very much, I guess what Jim Collins would call the level five leader, not trying to grab all the attention. Uh, I even pulled a quote here, Al, uh, about Jim always likes to be the last person present at a meeting to speak because you like to listen first. Uh, Al and I were interested, how do you kind of uh, dial that into transforming the bank? So when, when, when there, there's change and new strategies, new priorities, you don't like to be kind of uh, taking the microphone. You like to be listening and then reflecting. Tell us how that works in action. You know, I, I think one, if you hire smart people, you should listen to them. And so I really believe that sitting back in a meeting, whether it be with peers or within your company, um, you can learn a lot. But the other thing is, is you get a chance to slow. I always say to go fast, you have to slow down. And so when you sit and listen, you also slow things down. And uh, as a result, you take in an idea from four or five different folks. And sometimes it's a combination of those ideas that really is the one everybody's chasing. But at the end of the day, nothing's more motivating for people than to be empowered and uh, to be heard. And, uh, you know, every leader says it. Uh, but it's super important to surround yourself with smart people. But if you don't listen and let them go first, you won't really know how smart they are. Yeah. So, Jim, what you can queue up for your uh, your playlist would be the Grateful Dead and just tell the team to just keep on trucking. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. You know, I want to point out one thing. I read a great profile of of Kristen Winward uh, of First Bank CIO and, and how he came up from the teller side. But uh, something that was really interesting from a talent perspective is you guys created a position within the IT group called a career navigator. And I really like that, Jim. The whole point was let's give this IT team a real career path, real development, training opportunities. And I've never seen that. And one of the things banks are dealing with is IT turnover everywhere. 
it sounds like you guys have really committed not only to having IT talent, but to keeping them there and making them part of your culture. Yeah, if you can create multiple careers within your company, that's the best thing you can do. I'm the I'm I'm in my sixth year as CEO okay. and I'm bored. This is the longest I've done the same job for the company. So, um, you know, I we start everybody in in management as a management trainee, and I started in Palm Desert and made loans. I made enough bad loans. They said, let's move this guy to the IT operations area. But, uh, you know, the the bottom line is the more we want to build leaders. And so if you look at our senior leadership team, they've worked in every part of this bank. We've taken that same philosophy into IT. Um, and we have people that were on the mainframe side that are now Java and C Sharp and, um, you know, working on all different parts. And, and we move people around. And, and that just frankly, uh, not only builds knowledge, but it makes people want to stay here and, and have a long career. Well, the boredom thing is big. You say you're bored, Jim, but IT people get bored if they're not challenged, if they're yeah. not getting trained on new tools and capabilities, if they're not seeing the fruits, like you said, of I'm working on IT, but it's really about customer experience or driving a new business or creating a new open banking platform. So I think that's how you've avoided not becoming an old bank IT department that needs the stimulation of outside. I think you've kept stimulating kind of internally with how you develop talent and how you partner. So uh, more of that, I hope, in the future. That's great to see. And I think that's how the midsize regional banks continue to make a lot of trouble out there competitively and grow shareholder value. Well, we appreciate Jim as a troublemaker. Yeah. Joining us and talking about building leaders and controlling one's tech destiny. I think it's a really cool thing that you're doing. And it's a reason we put plugged in together so we could surface and highlight examples just like this. So it's cool stuff. Jim, we want to say thanks for joining us. He's Steve Williams. I'm Al Dominic. This is Plugged In from Cornerstone Advisors, and we'll catch you again in the very near future. Thanks so much, Jim. Thank you, guys.